John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high-gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high-gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, we'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. And guess what? Isotope offers one free month of Music Production Suite Pro, which has all the tools you need to mix, master, and repair audio. Also, you can get 10% off all other software using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All of this is at isotope.com, I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. Oh, hi, Ed. This is John Kiltica. How are you doing, John? I'm doing pretty good. How's your mustache? Oh, my mustache is coming in full. 23. You're the stash. I love it. Stashier. Yep. It's the High Game Podcast. We talk about guitars. Yes. Music. Yes. Amps, pedals. Yes. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. Where are we recording from? Beautiful. West Seattle, Washington. How's the weather these days? It's a little colder, but yeah. it's not egregious or overly wet. It got cold again, and good news is my house is back to being like a house. It's not a piece of Swiss cheese. Yeah, yeah. The siding's up. Well, you know, Ed, we do have a guitar here today because that's what we talk about. Sure. It's a single pickup affair for doing the rock and rolly groovy stuff. Sure. But more importantly than that, we have a guide. Oh. Do you know local band The Black Tones? I do. We have Eva Walker of the Black Tones here. Oh my gosh. Are you there? I don't know. Am I here? The technology's working. That's good news. Yay. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Are you in Seattle right now? Yes, I live in Seattle. Born and raised here, actually. Not too far from West Seattle. I'm in Columbia City. Oh, oh. no kidding. Yeah. You and your twin brother, the drummer for the Black Tones, Cedric, I read that you are older than him by like 
two minutes or something? You know, I am glad you asked. I am older than him by 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. man. You must lord that over him. Of course. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> My younger brother. That's why I was like, hold on, two minutes. No, 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 no. Ten. <laughs> Closer to a half hour. <laughs> You're obviously the leader of the band then. <laughs> yes, we'll just say that. He's going to hear this and be like, Eva, come on. <laughs> no offense, Cedric. What do you got over there, John? What do I have over here? I've got a rock and roll relics. Yeah. Thunders model guitar. Okay. It's a double cutaway with a P90 in it because rock and roll. Sure. Ooh, I like that. Beverages. Beverages. That was the beverage song. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. I love that. That was Pog? Yeah, I'm using the Pog 2 to get the lower octave. Yeah. And I'm using the Chase Bliss preamp Mark II to get the gnarly fuzz. Sure. But not before going through a 1981 overdrive. Do you care about pedals at all? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to hear a lot of like, yeah, kind of answers. Sure, sure. I do use pedals. I'm the lead guitarist that has a pedal board I'm not using because I don't have enough pedals for it. Sure. I want to kind of stay exposed and vulnerable, so I don't use a whole lot of stuff, but I think pedals are amazing. I use a wall. My goodness, that's my whole career is the wall. Sure. <laughs> and I just started using very recently a fuzz pedal because I was getting into 70s rock and roll psychedelic music from Nigeria and they use heavy Ooh. fuzz sounds. And so that right now was like my big guitar sound influence is trying to get that Nigerian vintage rock sound as well as the Zambian or Zamrock sound. But before that, I was just using the distortion coming out of my orange Tiny Terror. And then I bought a OCD pedal I liked it and I have OCD and I was like, cool, look it. It's like, we're, you know, we belong together. <laughs> but the fuzz is really something I'm getting more into because of that vintage seventies African rock sound. Who should we listen to if we want to dig into that also? Oh boy. I'm so glad you asked that. Okay. <laughs> John's busting out literally a pen and paper. Okay. For the Zam rock, which is music out of Zambia, I would suggest Chrissy Zebi Tembo. In another band called Witch. I want to say I know Witch. I work at KEXP and I've gotten to host an in-studio with them and it blew my mind. They're more of a super group now, so they have a lot of other members from other bands that back them up. Is there a documentary about them? Yeah, it's called We Intend to Cause Havoc, which is what Witch stands for. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. What about on the Nigerian side? On the Nigerian side, oh boy. So I'm going to name a couple bands, but I'm also just going to tell you an entire compilation you should listen to. Uh, the Funkies, of course. The High Grades, I really like them. But there's a compilation called The World Ends, Afro Rock and Psychedelia of 1970s Nigeria. And it's some of the best music I've ever heard in my entire life. And I am now fully influenced by that stuff. And I'm just like, I got to sound like that. I got to I gotta do that. I love it. I didn't know I needed this. 
this is awesome because everybody knows when you have a DJ on your show, you got to get the hip recommendations. (laughs) It's cool if you come on once a week and just drop bands for us from here forward. That's cool, right? Yes, of course. (laughs) Perfect. You'll have to feed me, of course. (laughs) Sure. Meanwhile. Yeah. What are you drinking, Eva? Oh, boy. So get excited for this. Are you ready for this? I'm drinking H2O. Apparently, I'm 70% of it. Straight tap? Oh, yeah. Oh. The Northwest has some of the best water in the country. Seattle water, pretty good. Eva's beverage? Yeah. As stripped down as her pedal board. I'm giving you an applause for that one. That's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Ed, what do you got? Um, Been a little while since it's made an appearance, but I woke up a little early this morning. I busted out the juicer. I went and got grapefruit. Oranges, lemons, apples, and in the one I've got, spinach. Ooh. And it's been a little while since I've done a homemade juice thing. And so I made one for you too, John. Yeah, it made me a juice that doesn't have that green color. Yeah. (laughs) It's just orange. Yours is just orange and grapefruit and ginger. This is fantastic, Ed. Oh my gosh. I was going to ask, is it good? It's really good. I've got coffee too, Ed. Do you have coffee? Oh, I've got coffee, yeah. Do you drink coffee, Eva? You guys are asking all the right questions. So I don't (laughs) drink coffee anymore. Let me tell you why. Oh. I used to love drinking mochas and some coffee with cream and sugar. And then I got to this point where it started to make me dizzy and nauseous. So I don't know what it is with coffee, but it doesn't sit well with my equilibrium, I guess. Wow. I love this talk. Yeah. I love where we're going with all this, but I'm going to reel us in. Are you going to transition out of beverages? Out of beverages. I just want to go back to something. When we went into the pedal thing, you said you hadn't owned Fuzz. And I'm actually surprised by that, given the Hendrix influence. Mm. I went down the Hendrix path the other way, I guess. I was that guitar player that was pretty convinced I was him reincarnated. <laughs> it kind of looked the same sometimes. I don't know. It has to work. Anyway, Hendrix was a really big influence on me playing guitar, uh, for sure. You and Cedric, who is 10 minutes younger than you. <laughs> don't forget that. <laughs> when did you guys decide to start the Black Tones? I was playing the Seattle Folklife Festival in 2011, I believe. It was the first time I invited my family to see me perform. I never invited them because I huh. wanted to be good first. They're very nice and supportive, but they're originally from Louisiana. They're from New Orleans. They've seen good music, so I didn't want to suck. So basically, I sang, played guitar. They were all wowed. My brother told me a tear was coming down his face. He was moved, as he puts it. Wow. He didn't know I could sing. It was the first time he saw me play and sing. He was like, somebody needs to back her up. And he wanted to be the one to do that. I was also a drummer. And so he came up to me and said, Eva, I want to learn drums. And I said, oh, fuck yeah. Oh, sorry, can I cuss on this? <laughs> Please do. Yes. Yeah, okay. We have a swear jar. <laughs> I have to put $100 bills in it because I'm a terrible person. <laughs> it pays up ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. You're great. Awesome. So I said, of course. Yeah, fuck yeah. I'll teach you drums, man. So we would go to the Seattle Drum School because the owner, Steve Smith, who was just amazing, said that I could use the space if I wanted to practice at any point because I was taking drum lessons there prior to this, but we couldn't afford it anymore. And he told me, I don't want that to be the reason you stop making music. If there's an open room, go in there and practice. 
Oh, that's great. Yeah. What he did was give a young person of color an opportunity and a space. And I will forever be grateful to Steve for that. So the roots of the Black Tones start at the Seattle Drum School. Shout out. Seattle Drum School, Steve Smith. So I gave my brother lessons there. And after that, I was like, all right, you can play some beats. I got these songs written. (laughs) You want to learn these? And we took it from there. Originally, we were called Rosette Royale, named after a guy who interviewed me years ago for Real Change. And I liked his name so much. I said, oh, man, I got to name a band after him. But then the Rosette fell off and it became the Royales. And there was a million bands called the Royales. And everyone made the same dumbass joke, which is like, with cheese? <laughs> a friend of mine was like, hey, how about Ebony and the Black Tones? We were like, the Black Tones? That sounds cool. And it's been me and my brother with members kind of coming in and out ever since. You guys lock on a groove, like a train rolling, man. It's not stopping. Man, communicating with your twin is just a whole nother realm. You know, I'm not religious or spiritual or any of that stuff. You didn't ask, so I'm going to tell you anyway. I like to call myself a Saganist, so I believe in anything Carl Sagan tells me. (laughs) But there's a communication when you're a twin. I don't know if many other people experience that. I got really lucky that my brother was interested in joining this and doing this with me. Was one of those first songs that you taught him The Key of Black? No, that's a later one. The Key of Black was something he came up with. Man, that drum riff he does, it's so killer. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) That song is just amazing. Cedric just came to rehearsal like, hey, I got this drum beat. Should we play that? Oh, yeah, let's do it. The Black Tones are Key of Black, Ed. Yeah, do it.
Is that what you meant, Ed? <laughs> That's the one. The hit I'm getting off of that is Freddy's Dead, Curtis Mayfield. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. You can feel that guitar coming in the beginning and you let it breathe long enough yeah. before the guitar comes in. Man, I love that song. The Key of Black is one that I'm just super proud of. I've gotten such really great feedback from such great people. The first time I talked to Mike McCready from Pearl Jam on the phone, he said, the first time I heard The Key of Black, I was floored. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my God, I played that. There's no way. (laughs) (laughs) You played the U2 song, Pride, with him. Yeah. Everyone has different influences. And I just grew up on U2. They were my band. Okay, here we go. I can't wait to tell you this. (laughs) (laughs) Jimi Hendrix is the reason I wanted to just play guitar. Bono was the reason I wanted to be a performer. Oh. I absolutely love U2. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. I love everything about that band. One thing that I read is that you play your Strat volume up, tone up. Yes. And on the back pickup. The humbucker. Yep. This guitar you've got here, John. I've got the volume all the way up and the tone all the way up, and it only has one pickup. It's a P90. We're okay with that. Eh, close enough. 
You can hit it really hard and it will hold up. Sure. Rock and Roll Relics was started a while ago, 1983. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, by a guy named Billy Rowe, who was in a band called Jet Boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and their whole deal is they build these guitars. This one's like a junior. Yeah. And then he beats the crap out of them in the really cool ways. This one especially, it's relic, but it's not like super down to the wood. I think they have them that are like heavy, heavy relic. Yeah. Nice sustain on it. It's got an ebony neck, it looks like. It sounds great. Yeah, it sounds really good. So are you pretty exclusively Fender-y? Fender or die? <laughs> Fender or die. The guitar that I used was the first electric guitar I bought with my own money when I was like 17 or 18 after a summer job. Oh, that's cool. It has sentimental value. I named it after my grandmother's middle name because I'm named after my grandma and I didn't want to call it Eva because I don't know, that might be weird. <laughs> What's grandma's middle name? Ruth. Ruth. Yeah. It's been with me since I was a teenager, and I got it because I had to, of course, get the same kind of guitar Hendrix had, of course. And I like the way Fenders feel. You were going to play guitar one way or the other. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've been wanting to play guitar since I was nine. I can't even tell you what sparked that. I just remember putting rubber bands on books and being like, look, it's a guitar. <laughs> There's something with my brain chemistry where I would see a guitar and be like, I love that thing. Something drew me to it. My dad had a very musical brain. He was self-taught. I didn't grow up with my dad, but I do feel like that's something you can inherit. Oh, sure. And so I just had this love for music, and I heard it in just about anything. I heard it in my grandpa's van engine. It just was always there. When I started on guitar in high school, I was super self-conscious about it because, you know, I was born in 89, so I was a kid in the 90s, and I was watching whatever my older siblings were watching on MTV, and everyone that played guitar was white. And so I remember a kid in school, when they saw me with a guitar, they were like, what? Black people don't play guitar. And I thought that was true because if someone says that and all you saw on TV were white people doing it, then you're going to kind of believe that. And you're like, oh, shit, that sucks because I just like the instrument. And I think that's why Hendrix became such a big influence because he was the first one I saw be so successful at it after I was told that. And I was like, black people do play guitar. <laughs> he was like my guiding light. I don't care what color you are. Fucking play guitar, but don't tell someone of a certain color they can't. Boy, you know, it's starting to feel completely natural then that you would also end up at a radio station being a DJ. How did that happen? Oh, man, I still don't know how that happened. I went in that interview saying, I have no fucking radio experience. I love music, though. Basically, they were looking for a new host for Audio Oasis because Charlize was stepping down. And at the last minute, I was like, this would be really cool. I'm going to just go for it. And they were already playing my band and, you know, we were in rotation. So they knew who I was. I had just started a radio show at Hollow Earth Radio called Spaceship Radio. The idea behind that was I wanted to play music from all over that represented humanity. And it was called Spaceship Radio because it was in honor of the golden record that's on Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. I wanted the show to be as di diverse as the golden record. And so I would always start the show with facts about when Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 launched. And I would always open with the song that's on the golden record and then would play whatever else I wanted to. Is it Beethoven? Beethoven's on there. Chuck Berry is on there. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And it was curated, of course, by the great Carl Sagan. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shout out Carl Sagan. 
Anyway, I was, I think, four episodes in. Then I learned about the KXP job and I applied for it, met with John Richards and Morgan. And I was like, I don't really have any radio experience, but I'm out there. I play. I love discovering music. I love discovering bands. I'm always playing with new bands who I believe in. And John Richards, he blatantly said, he goes, all the technical stuff in radio, I don't care if you don't have any experience. You can learn all that. This, what you're telling me is why you should be here. And when he said that, I was like, oh, well, then I'm qualified. <laughs> and I literally got a call, I think, the next day. And they were like, we want you to be the new host of Audio Oasis. I think the first thing that came out of my mouth was like, are you fucking shitting me? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the first thing I said. It was like, oops. That cannot go out over the air on KEXP. <laughs> first technical lesson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the job. I get to discover new music and a lot of the people I play, it's their first time on the radio and I get to give that to them. And that feels really good because I remember the first time we were on the radio. It's a thrill. It's been four and a half years and I still can't believe I have the job. <laughs> and the reach of KEXP, it's weird because it's our local radio station, right? Yeah. But it's not really at all that anymore. Yeah, it's global. It's incredible. Yeah. In time while we're on air, we're not sure who's listening. But then when we get all this feedback from people from all over, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You've got a new song out that was put out, what, like five days ago? Yeah, it came out on the 1st. So what is that? Like four days ago? When this airs, you know, whatever. Time. <laughs> 2023. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away, but this is a murder ballad mm -hmm. set in Seattle and based on actual events. Yeah. Out of respect for, of course, the family of the victim. I won't use his name or anything. Yes. And I won't use the location it happened. But yeah, there was a guy who was very, very close to my family. He was pretty much best friends with my grandpa. He knew my grandparents very, very well. I knew him since I was a kid. They went to the same church. I would see him at church. Very kind of laid back guy. I kind of like to tell people he was like the Marvin Gaye of my grandpa's friends. Super chill, very handsome. Last summer, my twin brother texted me and told me some unfortunate news. I immediately called him and said, hey, yo, this is not a text conversation. This is a phone call conversation. Uh, he had just learned that that guy murdered his wife. Wow. We were in shock because, of course, we know him and we couldn't imagine him doing something like that. And on top of that, he's 89 years old. As soon as I hung up the phone with my brother, this song just came out. The song is slightly altered as far as story details because I just don't want it to be too triggering for anyone that was close to the victim. You know, it's the blues. It's a folk story. It's super unfortunate. I mean, I'm still shocked. Wow. Did you have any misgivings about recording it? Yes and no. Yes, because if you're the family of the victim of this, you don't want to fucking hear this shit. Like, I'm living with this. This is horrible. I'm glad you made your little fucking song. That sucks to think about. I'm not doing it for shock value. I knew this guy, and I didn't know how to process this news. I also am a musician. I put music out. I take things that happen in my life, and I present them to the world. I can't regret doing what I do. Can we play it? Yeah, go for it. This is the Black Tones Blue Matrimony.
who loved his wife. There was a man who hates his life. Wow. As far as American murder ballads go, that's right up there. I play rock and roll. I love the blues. Most of the time, the lyrics that I write are folk lyrics. And that's probably heavily blues influenced, but also just I write about what I know and what's happened in my life. Right. It's considerably more freeform in the rhythm than so much of the other stuff. Oh, yeah. We were recording a demo, which was this. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're done with this. And the engineer, Don Farwell at Earwig, he was like, hold on, let's add to this. I like where this is going. And at first I was kind of like, I don't know, we're not going to use this. And then I overdubbed the guitar. And as I did that, I said, oh, shit, this is exactly what it should sound like. There was something about keeping the focus on the lyrics. The feeling is supposed to be static. When you make a decision to kill someone, it's like all reason is being interrupted. Hmm. It's just static. That's my impression. And so the acoustic kind of just represents that. I think that's perfect. I mean, Cedric, we always want your younger brother, <laughs> your much younger brother on stuff. But sometimes, Cedric, you just got to go with what feels right. Cedric was like, we don't need to add anything else to this. He goes, keep this how it is. <laughs> <laughs> And McCready actually wrote that bridge part that you hear, the breakdown after he shoots his wife. I met up with him. I told him the story. And then I played the song for him. He helped me with this really cool breakdown part that's kind of like, oh, my God, this guy just shot his wife and he's 89. Let's all take a minute to just think about this really quick. It's powerful. Thanks for letting us play that. Thank you for listening to it. Hey, John. Yes. Do we need to talk about this guitar anymore? <laughs> I think we discussed what it does and what it is. It's got a P90. Yeah. It's got a stop tail bridge. Wrap around stop tail. Yep. Yep. And this particular one yeah. has an awesome black and white checkerboard pattern painted on the top of it. So when you're not playing, yeah. you could play chess <laughs> or checkers. Sure. So the great news is you're going to be back next week with our musical recommendation. Yes. I think you committed to coming back once a week, right? <laughs> you just got to feed me. <laughs> How do you think we did today? I always like to do a little health check right at the end and make sure we did okay. This was really fun. Sorry for it to be kind of a sad story downer at the end. <laughs> <laughs> this is really fun, you guys. It's cool that you do this. I loved it. Thanks. What's next for the Black Tones? What do you guys got on tap? Well, we are in the studio working toward a second record. Ooh. Hopefully another tour coming soon. We had so much fun with the Gimme Gimme's. It was so great. We just started working with a booking agent who's been incredible. Where's the best place for people to go to catch up? Bandcamp, really. Bandcamp. We have a website also, theblacktones.com. Between that and Bandcamp, you can't go wrong. And of course, we're on all the streaming services. We need to really thank Eva Walker from the Black Tones for coming. Eva, this was amazing. Thank you, guys. Evil Eva. That's right. <laughs> it's either Evil Eva or Eva Kniva. <laughs> I'm picturing a woman in a red, white, and blue motorcycle suit yep. who drinks really good water and writes murder yeah. ballads. Man, if there's someone out there that can make me a red, white, and blue jumpsuit, I would love you forever. <laughs> I have like an American flag bathing suit I wear on stage sometimes. So someone out there make me a red, white, and blue jumpsuit. <laughs> I love 
American flag print stuff. I like the way it looks. We have a cool looking flag. Of course, I'll be the first to call out what we need to work on in this country. Like, no duh. <laughs> but our flag print is kind of dope. Our flag game is pretty good. Our flag game is cool. And also, shitty people don't get to have a monopoly on the flag. <laughs> good point. Yes, please. Yeah. John, I think you did a great job. Today. Really? Yeah. <laughs> people should go to Instagram, look up the high game, and just say, John, you did a great job. <laughs> well, I would appreciate that. Or thehighgame.com. We're going to take lots of pictures of this. With chess pieces. <laughs> okay, and then uh, I should mention, yeah. we are proud members of the Ruinous Media Network of music-related podcasts. Joe and the boys over Shout there. Shout out, Joe. Until then, Ed. Until next week. Until next week, then. Yeah. Okay, then. Thank you very much. Thank you, Eva. Thanks, you guys. <laughs>